0: Blog
1: Talk Radio. Good afternoon. It is 1 o'clock Eastern Time on March 22nd, and this is Mike Vandervoort doing another uh, in a series of episodes uh, covering bloggers from the Sherm 18 blog squad. We're a group of people that are trying to help Sherm promote the event before and after their, their national conference in Chicago. And our guest today is Tamara Raspberry, Tamra, how are you? T- how are you doing today? Welcome to the Drive Through HR.
0: Thank you so much, Michael. I'm doing very well. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm busy, uh,
1: but um, it, and it's a it, it's a bright sunny day here in Atlanta, but it's kind of cold. I don't know. You guys, Europe, you might have snow up where you are. I don't know if Washington got hit or not. Did you get buried? Yes, yeah, Did it? We pass did get
0: snow.
1: We got <laughs> snow
0: yesterday. Not too too much, a couple feet. So we did have a snow day, but um, most people are back in the office yeah. today.
1: Cool. Well, I don't know. I I, I you know I live I've lived in the south for like twelve years, and I keep thinking spring, spring should be here, but it's not yet quite. So anyway, Tamara, for those that are that are listening to the show, um, tell us tell us who, who uh, you know about yourself. Introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us what you do and kind of what things. Uh, kind of what things are important to you in your life, if you don't mind sharing a little bit of detail like that with us.
0: Sure, no problem. Well, I am currently an HR manager for a national nonprofit organization that's based in Washington, D.C. I also do some HR project consulting on the side. I have been working in the HR space for about going on 17 years now starting out in the federal government and then moving into the nonprofit sector where I have been for the bulk of my career. Um, things that are important to me, basically, in a professional space, inclusion and diversity and making sure that people have um, feel comfortable to be themselves when they go to work, making sure that people have a good employee experience when they go to work, um, helping managers understand the importance of their role in the employee experience, and then on a personal side, basically just my family um I have a little eighteen nearly eighteen month old grandbaby and um, that's that's what gives me joy right now.
1: And I and I, I think I think you said earlier when we were texting that she might be staying with you right now. She's napping, hopefully during the show. That kind of something along those lines. But uh, well, yeah, so, I didn't uh, want to
0: have her crying in the background. So thankfully, that's not going on. Um,
1: last week, I had um, I had two dogs, which aren't the same as grandchildren, but they're like kids at times. And on every <laughs> show that I did, I had to tell people if you. Suddenly, hear what sounds like a wild pack of dogs breaking out. That's just my golden lab and my beagle playing with each other. But I'm in a condo, and it, it normally don't have both dogs here together. So it, it was. It happened a couple of times, but it was. We we overcame it. So. <laughs> <Anyway. good. laughs> um, so you you started out. I didn't realize um, that you started out in the federal government in HR. Um, and, Can you tell us? That's that's kind of a different world. I worked at the post office, which is not really the federal government, but it is the federal. You know, in that strange quasi corporate way that they they created for the U.S. Postal Service. But it was uh, I was an hourly employee. I was actually a letter carrier. This was going back well over 35 years ago. But it was a lot of bureaucracy. Just as an employee, you could see the HR bureaucracy. It was actually one of the reasons I got into HR was because I was like, it can't possibly be this bad everywhere. And if it is, <laughs> we can change it. But anyway, anyway, uh, not the bad mouth. It was just, just a lot of red tape. And, of course, it was an yeah. entirely different world that far back. But what what was your experience like working in the federal government? That's, we don't get a lot of folks talking about that stuff on this show, so I'm kind of interested in that.
0: Yeah, sure. Well, it's interesting because, That job was my first um, job in HR. So when people say, well, how did you get started in HR? Did you always know that you wanted to be an HR professional? Absolutely not. It was not on my radar at all. And what happened was I was working in a different agency. I was working as an assistant to a person in the Office of Civil Rights here in D.C., and he moved agencies. And because I was just such a great, great employee, he wanted to take me mm-hmm. with him. And the, the what they called back then personnel office is where he was able to get me in. And so that's how <sighs> I started working in personnel, and now we call it human resources. But I yeah, it? absolutely agree with you in the aspect of the red tape, which is one of the things that I didn't like about working there was it was always just so many steps to do everything. And, you know, it kind of drains you because it's like, like you said, it shouldn't have to be this hard. Why are things being this difficult? And at one point I kind of had like an epiphany and decided, you know, I want to feel like I'm helping people. I want to do something where my work is, is affecting people and doing good and changing lives and, so that's how I got. That's how I decided to get into the nonprofit sector. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask and, you
1: about that in a minute. Uh, but um, so, like, what I remember is like you know filling out long like pages and pages and pages of applications. And if you wanted to bid on a job, you know it was an elaborate process. Do you uh, do you have any do you have any perspective on whether I mean I. Hopefully it's improved some but I'm I am I I don't know. Do you have any perspective it has. on if it's any better now
0: or it now? has changed because way back then there was a form, I wanna say it was called like the O F six twelve or something of that nature. And <laughs> it was yep. definitely an extremely long, drawn out application process. And then even once you got into an agency, if you wanted to get into another role You know, you have to do your KSAs and all of this type of extra stuff where it seems like you should just be able to show, okay, I can do this. Can I have the job? You know, (laughs) it's like you you had to fill out, like, essays and everything as part of your application for each task that was required. And that, to me, is a barrier, a lot of people, even though you, you, it doesn't seem like it because the federal government is such a large employer, but a lot of people don't feel like doing all of that. It was a lot, yeah, but I do and, know and that yeah. since then they got rid of the form is not as long. So I mm-hmm. heard a few years back, like they did reduce some of that paperwork so that it's not as tedious. I uh, but, I saw. Thought-
1: uh, in in today's world, uh, I think the, uh, under President Trump uh, and the you know the some of the some of the streamlining of agencies and whatever else you want to call it, re- reduction of the bureaucracy, draining the swamp, whatever terms they use. Um, I know a lot of I've seen a lot of articles recently about federal employee you know federal agencies you know like like one I pay attention to a lot is the National Labor Relations Board you know that they're mm-hmm. under strict travel. And you know they were worried about budgets, but as it, as it turns out, if this budget bill that or this budget, 1.3 trillion dollar budget package they're going to vote on on Thursday, if it passes, it turns out that several of the agencies didn't get cut as much as they had feared, which I was kind of surprised right. by. But it's still not a done deal, I guess, and still have to go to the Senate to the to the House, but it or to the White House. But it, it's interesting that there's. I, I'm sure a lot of federal employees are feeling very, uh, very, much on the hot seat these days. So probably glad for both of us that we don't have to be sitting there now. Um, so, you, so you jumped from from that from the federal employment into nonprofit. Um, how, how did you decide nonprofit? Is that is that a, is that just your preferred kind of at uh, work environment, or was there a calling, or or uh, how, how did you make that step?
0: Yeah, well, I did decide at the time when I was working in the government that, you know, I enjoyed the people that I worked with, and for the most part, I enjoyed what I was doing, but I felt like at the end of the day, I was just moving papers around, and I wasn't really making an impact, and I felt like I wanted to do something where I made some kind of an impact, so it occurred to me that working in the nonprofit sector would be where I would be able to do that. And I actually didn't leave and go into another HR role. I went into a development role. And that lasted for all of one year because I realized I did not like development at all. And then I got back Mm. into HR (laughs) and stayed in HR, which, you know, is much better (laughs) for me.
1: We'll have to call you the reluctant HR blogger or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so nonprofit is challenging in that um, for many it's based on getting grants or finding. Mm-hmm. And I guess the development piece, was that fundraising or was that other? Yeah. Was that some other type? Yeah. So, so that's that's tough. I, I work for a, I work for a nonprofit, but we're not we we don't do great. We're a five hundred and one c six. Um, and so we' we're, we're like more like the Chamber of Commerce or something than, than okay. we are you know out, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's, it's my perspective on it is certainly not the same but for those agencies that are or, I mean for those organizations that are always having to raise money it, it is uh, it's you know some are really good at it but it's a constant churn. I, I'm, I'm sure I wouldn't like that development role either Good <laughs> um, yes. guy sorry I don't know who, I don't know if you can hear that. My phone keeps blinging because I, I, for whatever reason, my uh, my text messaging is going crazy. It Usually, doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> so, so, so you you mentioned a lot in your in your intro a, a lot about I guess what you could call the employee experience. Not not so much from a branding perspective, but how people are treated and diversity yes. and inclusion and that kind of kind of stuff. Absolutely. Um, and right now, in fact before this call, I was doing research uh, to gather some i'm trying to build a, a sort of a, a, a repository of links to useful articles around me too and, and LGBTQ stuff for a for a, yeah. a plant session we're having at our conference next month um, but anyway um like do you, and 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 I, I believe you're we're, we're Work humans coming up too, I believe. Are you going to be there? I don't remember if you're involved with or not. I'm absolutely
0: going to be at Work Human, absolutely. So we'll, we'll
1: yeah. So we'll see. So that and and they're having a uh, they're having a, a really, I, I don't know how to describe. i don't want to call it a celebrity panel. Um, they're having some really strong names on a panel, and they've been marketing the, the their me too discussion, and it, so it's Toronto Burke, and it's. Uh, uh-huh. Ashley Judd, and Ashley Judd, Ferrell, uh-huh. and I think Adam Grant. Um, uh-huh. And, and yeah. I saw Adam Grant speak last year. And, and I so I mean this is a huge issue everywhere right now. Or and it's it's really not even an issue. It's a it's a movement. I know I know it's been around. The hashtag's been around for more than a decade, but it's exploded right. in the last eight months. Um, I don't I don't know. And I think I think that's something that you spent some time. You wanna you wanna talk a bit about that kind of from your perspective or. Just, you know, kind of how you, you see that coming up at Work Human and then maybe how that plays into SHRM 18 as well, if it does.
0: Absolutely. Well, I am super excited at the opportunity to see and hear Tarana Burke speak on this movement because mm-hmm. to me it's essential to hear from the founder of the movement how it was and how it yeah. will go on.
1: I'm sorry. Can I, we we cut out. Yeah. Can you hear me now?
0: I can hear you. Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. You you were gone for about a, a good forty five seconds. So I sorry. It just it it this this platform of Blog Talk Radio can be glitchy sometimes. Yeah. I didn't I didn't hear anything you said after I asked my question. Sorry.
0: No worries. I'll repeat it. I was just saying that I'm super excited about the Me Too panel that's going to be at Work Human because I think it's critical to hear from Tarana Burke herself on the history of the movement and what her intentions were and what her future intentions are for the movement and where she sees it going and how we can all be involved in it. So I'm super excited about that. I think it's amazing that people who have had the courage to come forward and share their stories. I, I feel that it's horrible that there are so many stories um, because be that way. But we all have the responsibility in HR and also outside of HR to, you know, to fix our workplaces to make sure that things like this don't happen and that if they do, we'll feel safe enough to come to us and report and have things change and have things happen and not be afraid. So I'm glad that all of this is happening now, you know, and that we can all be a part of it. And move things forward into a better space.
1: It, it, it you know, I, this this will probably sound naive, and, I, and, and 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 in all honesty, I haven't been on the, you know, for the last probably ten years or so. I've been at a corporate a corporate job, or in you know, doing the job I have now, where I'm not like touching people in the. That's a, that's a very bad analogy. Where I'm not
0: I'm not in contact <laughs>
1: yeah. with, with with employees. Um, you know, that would be, that typically would where you would deal with this kind of stuff in an HR capacity. And it's not that I'm above it. It just wasn't part of the the role that I had, but it Mm -hmm. seemed, you know, back when, you know, back 10 years ago, I mean, I thought, you know, like like when stuff got brought forward at the companies I worked for, we investigated it, you know, we, Uh we did our best to resolve it equitably. And I, I just thought, you know, that was kind of a basic HR practice and it was a, you know, a heavy role and it, and then you know in this last seven or eight months, it seems like either there's there was so much not being brought forward or there were so many organizations that were unhealthy or some combination of both that I, I I was really surprised when this all sort of blew up like it did, and that's why I said it probably sounds a bit naive and out of touch, but it I didn't have the perspective that it you know that that much stuff was you know going on in the places I work anyway. But it seems like it's rampant. You know? Right. So I can't. I can't. In my own head, I can't. Sometimes can't get around. You know how much of this is, is. Um, I mean, how much of it was really how going on all the time. It is. Yeah. How right. prevalent it's been, and how much of it was buried. You know, and that if, if that's if that's the way it was, that's really bothersome. And I think that's a huge it, challenge it that HR, and uh, and leaders at, at high levels, you know, the C-suite, they mm-hmm. have to step up and. Embrace it, and and I don't know that there are easy answers to that. You know, I mean, I know, I was, I was just reading that video training has, is many companies are revising their video training because the most standard portrayal of a harassment suit was it a, a white male executive harassing a, a, a you know a lower level white female employee, and that's what uh-huh. everybody saw as a role mo- not as a role model, but as the as the model of what harassment right. looks
0: like, like that's in the what harassment twenty five years right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's, you know, and when you think about that and then the other thing that I I mentioned to somebody on a show the other day is I saw this really great snippet on Twitter where it, it, where it said, picture a leader in your mind, period. Is it a woman? And Mm. mine wasn't. And And it was like, you know, I don't know that the first 10 would have been honestly, you know, which made me kind of stop and go, man, I thought anyway. So I know I'm rambling around, but I guess what I'm I guess what I'm asking about is like do you, I mean, what's you know what's your take on that? Is, was it as bad, or or you know is this just something that people are more aware of because we're talking about it more, or is it somewhere in between?
0: Right. Well, I definitely agree with you from the standpoint of. To me, I just took it for granted that people were doing their um, jobs and investigating situations that were brought to them. I honestly, because of how I am in my work and the people that I have worked with and around, I didn't realize that there was this huge dynamic of going to HR doesn't help you. They never do anything. They won't investigate. They won't. I'm like, of course they do. That's what we do. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, right, where did all right. this come from? And so that's what really hit me on the head as well as just the overwhelming Number of instances of it happening is the overwhelming number of complaints that I reported it, and nobody did anything because you know that's not how it's supposed to be so um I think because when it became into the national spotlight, it was focused on Hollywood and actresses and things like that, I can absolutely see how it would be super prevalent. In that type of an arena, because it's almost like you know favors for favors type of a deal, it was more difficult I mean, you know it's like you kind of expect that. It's horrible to say, but it wasn't surprising to me because you always heard about the casting couch and things of that nature. But when you think about it in an office setting, or you know your everyday a job that you or I would go to and say like, "Oh, hey, this is happening in office settings across the country." that's when I was really taken aback and saying it's not that I didn't know that it happened, but to the degree that people are saying it's happening and to everybody saying, well, yeah, I know at least five people this has happened to and that type of thing. It is very disturbing and distressing. So, again, like I said before, I'm glad that it's coming out now and that people are feeling more comfortable in addressing it, and I'm hoping that people being able to share their stories will make it more commonplace for it to be seen as wrong to do these types of things to people. And people don't right. even uh, think, yeah. like, you know, yeah. I can say that or I can do that or I can, you know, whatever, and it'll be okay. No, it won't be okay. It will never be okay. You should know before you even start to move that it's not okay, you know? Right. So it's, it's a mindset. You heard about a lot of it with the restaurants as well. Like you started hearing it with chefs apparently all the top chefs <laughs> almost were like serial right. harassers. Right. And so all of this stuff right. started coming out. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, now you don't want to go to a restaurant. It's like, it's so distressing and disturbing, but I feel like it can be fixed. I feel like we can, you know, start by getting rid of the folks who won't change and then helping change the dynamics in workplaces and the mindsets of people who can change cuz sometimes it is a situation of somebody just saying or doing something that they didn't realize was quote unquote that bad and then sometimes it's egregious and it's like no you don't deserve a second chance you just need to go and right and
1: it yeah. and you never know so go ahead. we've talked about, and that, that's great conversation, but we have eight minutes left, about eight and a half minutes, and oh. we need to talk about Sherman 18 because that's mm. <laughs> show, That's why the, we were talking. <laughs> <is going by. laughs> Absolutely. No, it was great conversation, but the show's going by quickly, and I don't want to at least it not is. get in a little bit about Sherm 18. So so you've done yes. the Blog Squad before, right? You, you were, I think you and I were there last year. I believe we went on that ghost uh, walking tour kind of together. Uh,
0: we did go on this tour together, but I actually was not a Sherm blogger last year. I just tagged along. Uh, oh, this is my first right, year will... being an official Sherm blogger. Okay,
1: well, welcome to the official club. I guess I mean it's not it's not <laughs> that exclusive, you. but uh, no, it's it's fun. <laughs> this so, is true. well, congratulations. So, so I got a couple quick questions related to that. Then, so you've been to mm-hmm. National before, so we know you yes. you know to wear comfortable shoes and bring a sweater yes. and. <laughs> Pick, you know, pick yes. your sessions and all that stuff, but but as, as far as as far as blogging and, and do and doing that, how how do you plan to approach the, the show and what have you have you done any interviews or whatever so far? Um, just kind of like, what's your plan for suremaking as a blogger? I guess is the real question.
0: Yeah, well, I found it interesting because I said this to someone else. They call us a blogger team, but I feel like we're more of like a social media team because yes. we're not just blogging. We're live tweeting and we're doing interviews and we're doing all of these other things as well as blogging. So my plan of action is really not that much different than my normal plan of action would be to attend a conference because I always write and tweet about, you know, the sessions that I attend and things like that. So. I'm just going to kind of maybe have a more – be more focused on the fact that other people are paying attention now as opposed to me. You know what I'm saying? So maybe being more focused on what my content is going to be, making sure that I share more information because I am on the team as opposed to maybe just sharing, like, some occasional bites, you know, as I would as, like, a quote-unquote lay person. But – um outside of that, I don't really plan to attack it any um, differently because I do that when I attend conferences anyway. I, I blog and I live tweet and I meet people and take selfies and all of that good, fun stuff.
1: Me too. And it sometimes it becomes like, oh, <laughs> uh, why am I doing this? But most of the time I really enjoy it. Um, is there any, are there any sessions in particular you're focused on getting to or, or keynotes that you're interested in hearing from, that kind of stuff?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, well, it's funny because, as you know, we're doing the, the interviews with the speakers. We got to choose some speakers that we want to interview. Right. And the speakers that I chose were people that I'm extremely interested in their topics and what they're discussing. So um, I did one of my Q&As already with Dr. Carlin Borisenko, and I posted it today. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing her session on managing people because her um, thoughts on managing people is very similar to mine is where it the managers have a responsibility for the employee experience, you know, and they need to take that responsibility and uphold it and understand that the experience that people have when they come to work is very much derived from the experience that they get from their manager. So I'm looking forward to that session. I'm looking forward to the other speaker I chose to interview was Joe Gerstant, who is with um, Mm -hmm. Talent Anarchy, you know, and he talks a lot about inclusion and diversity, which is one of my top, top topics that I love. So I'm looking forward to him. And Richard Fagelin is the other person who talks about developing a culture of trust. And I actually saw him speak last year at SHRM, and I still want to see him speak again this year because his session was amazing, talking about how critical trust is in an organization and how if you don't have it, you know, basically you don't have anything because there are so many aspects of business and relationships and organizations that stem from trust or a lack thereof. So I'm definitely looking forward to them, and Adam Grant as well as a keynote Um, saw him last year at work human and really enjoyed his session there. So looking forward to seeing him at Sherman as well. And then there's hundreds of others, but those are the ones who stick out to me because I just already have thought about it.
1: Well, it's interesting that the the people you chose to interview, I mean, it's not interesting, but I I, I think it reflects, I was, I was looking at your Facebook or your LinkedIn page earlier, and I love your, uh, I love your line that that I find joy in proving HR is not the enemy. Uh, it, 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 I love it, but it's actually kind of sad that that's that's got to be like a mission, right? But it's right, it's right. Uh, it's part of life. We have about three minutes left. Um, I, ha- I so I have some silly questions I've been asking people, and <laughs> and one of the, one of them is uh, you know if people die depending on what kind of soda they serve at which conference center. And I don't know what McCormick Place is, but are you a Coca-Cola person or a Pepsi Cola person?
0: Pepsi all day, baby. Pepsi all day. Okay. And okay. someone had posted that Sherm always chooses Pepsi um venues. I don't know if that's accurate, but if it is, that's great.
1: I'm all, that's for all good it. for you, Okay, and then the other one is uh, the, the strange HR fascination with bacon. So are you pro-bacon or con-bacon?
0: <laughs> Where did that even come from? <laughs> That's so funny, I I'm definitely know. pro-bacon. Pro-bacon
1: also. I go to other conferences. Sorry, I'm talking about I know, I've I go seen to a lot of talk about bacon. People don't love bacon in other places like HR people do, or at least they don't talk about it constantly on Twitter. I don't know which, but I don't know. So, so I'm sorry. I admit, no. Were you in favor of bacon or against bacon? <laughs> pro bacon,
0: pro bacon all the way.
1: Pro bacon. All right, all right. I still am in search of a vegan uh, vegan HR blogger. So I'm, <laughs> I'm old for 14 at this point. I think so. Everybody. Oh, that's funny. Is- <laughs> A couple of people said they'd give bacon away because they can't eat it because of, you know, l- the low-sodium diet or that kind of thing. But if they could mm-hmm. eat it, they'd eat it all. If they could, so, they would. Anyway. Right? Yeah, yeah. So um, and this is we've big. got about a minute and a half left. So um, the the other, I guess, um, serious – it's not really a serious question, but just like um, in general at, at the conference um, – Well, not at the conference. Just in general, where can your blog and your Twitter and that kind of stuff? Where can people find you, and if they want to get in touch with you or meet you?
0: Oh, absolutely! You can always find me on Twitter. It's probably the easiest place to find me. My handle on Twitter is at tmrasberry, spelled R-A-S as in Sam, B as in boy, E-R-R-Y. So, you know, connect with me on Twitter if we have if we're at the conference together you're like hey i see you we're in the same session definitely come talk say hi reach out um and actually if you find my twitter account the links to like my website and my linkedin and everything are on my profile so it's it's kind of weird okay. for me to say them because you know http what but i'm on linkedin dot com no, it's
1: actually tameramrasbury.com. Yes. Is it? Got
0: to okay, have that M- M- Oh, yeah. I like. Yes, yes, okay. yes. So the website, is com. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook, although I try not to be on there too much. Um, <sighs> yeah, I'm everywhere. Because, Find me, connect with me. People have been doing that lately, which I love, like, you know, because Sherm has the the daily digest, and we put our Twitter handles and our LinkedIn yep. on there, and people connect with you. Like, hey, I, I'm connecting with you from the Sherm 18, and I'm like, yay, thank you, let's talk. So it's fun, it's great, I love it.
1: Cool. We just we just ran over our time, so the show's over. It ended somewhere in the middle of that sentence, and I want to thank <laughs> you for being on. I want to thank you for being on Drive Drive Through HR. Camera. It was fun. Uh, And I'll see you in see you in Austin in in a couple of weeks. Absolutely, in a couple of weeks. All right.
0: All right, Michael. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. You too. You're welcome. Bye. Bye.